He doesn't zipper dress. He must be a host. <laughs> Crackpot <laughs> theory number 10 coming at you. What the fuck? I like my cell phone one star review. So, <gasps> my favorite if scene. you say one star review again, you're literally fired. Welcome back to Without Limits, a Westworld podcast by LSG Media. I am Dean, and I am joined by Jessica, and we're back at it again to talk some Westworld. I'm excited to talk about this episode. I've been um, waiting for something to happen. I was a little bit concerned. I was wondering, uh, are are we just going to get deeper and deeper mysteries, or are we going to start getting some answers and getting some things that happen. And I think we have some things that are happening here, especially with the end of this episode, which is pretty fun. So I hope you guys are doing well. This is being recorded live on Mixler. That's Mixler.com slash LSG-media. Mixler.com slash LSG-media, where we record most of our shows live. We had one yesterday for The Walking Dead, one tonight for Westworld, one tomorrow for the science fiction film podcast where we're going to be covering Halloween. Which is very science fiction. Um, so we're here, Jessica. Um, if this is your first time listening to this podcast, we're going to start with some initial impressions. We're going to move our way through, and then we're going to wrap with some uh, listener comments and final thoughts. So let's just go ahead and start things off with a bit of a top-down view of dissonance theory. Jessica, why don't you go ahead and lead things off this evening with what you feel and what you think about this particular episode. I feel that I liked this episode better than the Walking Dead episode. That's a whole different story. Um, I agree that I feel like some stuff really started to happen this episode and we're starting to go in directions with characters where we're getting to what we want to see, especially with like Maeve and Dolores and whatever the F the man in black is doing. Um, I really, really like the Ford stuff with Teresa that was really fascinating to me. And I think that you could do a whole podcast just about their conversation, just about Ford himself as a character. He fascinates me. Was that your standout scene this week? Yeah, I loved everything about that. I love the subtle threat of what he was doing. And the show of his power was sure. just incredible. Yeah, I like that too. Um, I like, there's a lot going on this week. And um, the show is very dense. There's a lot of unpacking to do when you're covering Westworld. There are a lot of different things to talk about. There are plenty of characters to go around. Like you said, we've got Maeve, we've got Dolores, we've got the man in black, we've got Ford and Teresa and the things going on in control. There are a lot of different things going on and I want them. I, I love the show. I'm, I'm not, I don't want to, I don't want to come off the wrong way, but I, I'm, things need to kind of start happening now that we're 40% done with the series, with the season, right? We're about 40% there. So I think it's about at this time. Correct. Four out of 10. That is 40%. That was very good math. Yeah, I did that by myself. Good work. I'm very I'm, proud of you. Did you use a calculator? No, but <laughs> I used a piece of paper. And With a pencil. pencil so you could erase if you made yes, a mistake. Yes, I did. You can't use pens in math No, class. I know. Because especially me, I'm terrible. You lose points, 10 points off your test if you use a pen. Yeah, well, I carried the one. That's how I figured it out. I always know about one carrying. Good work. And then um, I just thought four out of 10 is 40%. It was simple multiplication. Great work. Now, so I'm excited. I like it. I don't want to, here's what I don't want to do with this show. He's going to get negative. I don't want to scratch my head for every fucking episode. Do you know what I'm saying? I don't want to just be like, what's going on now? And now oh, what's going on now? you felt that way in this episode because you now? said that a bunch of times. And now what's going on now? And then what's going to happen? I don't want to say that all up until 
right? So I'm feeling my my instinct is it's gonna have to st- it's gonna have to start doing something I, soon. I think we need a big reveal in the next episode. I, I think we need to be told Bernard is a host, or we need to be told that William is definitely not the man in black conclusively because they're in the same scene, <laughs> or we need to be told something like that. Yeah, I think we need to we need to drop something because we have too many mysteries we're setting up and too many things we can speculate about and right. we have to get an answer we haven't had one yet yes and now we have we need one i we think just, so too now it is time for one i agree i think the death of a show or any kind of story is confusion or boredom i'm definitely not bored but i haven't really learned and i'm not super confused but i could see myself getting confused if they just keep layering stuff in and you never really learn anything you know what like it's like it, it can it, it can't just be an intellectual exercise in we're so smart and we're so lofty and we have fucking all these great questions and we're smarter than you because you haven't figured it out yet. And ha 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 ha. We're writers. Well, I'm smarter than you. But just you wait. But I just want them. I don't want it to get too high minded on, on me. I want them to go like, OK, cool. Awesome. Now we're going to start answering some of these questions. Um, and I feel like we're reaching a tipping point where if we're 50 percent into the season is done. I did that math, too. I just added another one to the four. And I came up with five, thus 50%. Oh my gosh, you're actually the smartest man I've ever known. And pretty soon, I'm going to be moving from multiple choice to essay questions. So pretty smart. I don't even believe it. That's real hard. Multiple Mm -hmm. choice. I mean, you have a 25% chance of getting it right every time. If it's that many, depending on how many answers. Well, it's always four. Except sometimes it's not. Valid point. Okay, continue on. But anyway, we want to, I want to, I want to start. I think we need, like you said, to put it simply, we need a reveal. We need something. We need a nice big thing that goes, whoa, that's awesome. Now, how does that spin the story in the next direction? That's all I'm asking for because I really like the show. I'm enthralled the whole time. I'm enjoying it, but let's get cracking. Four episodes in, we have only given the audience questions and have given no answers to any of those questions. Right. You have to give an answer sometimes. Right. Another simple way to say it. Another simple way to say it. Law said, here's a million questions and here's one answer. Yeah. Good job, audience. You win today. Yeah. Uh, What are your initial impressions? I liked it. I still, I'm still. I know you gave me your thoughts, but. I, I still am into the show. I agree that I would like a question to be answered. I feel like I've gone so far down this William Man in Black rabbit hole that I just, <laughs> I just, every time I'm like, my theory has been disproved, but then I'm like, but no, it really hasn't been yet. I can still hold on to it. And I just want it to be disproved or to be shown to be true. Sure. I'd like one of those things to happen. Right. I gotcha. Well, I think that's about it for our initial impressions. Let's get to episode four dissonance theory. You ever heard of a man named Arnold? You could say he was the original settler of these parts. He created a world where you could do anything you want, except one thing, you can't die. Which means no matter how real this world seems, it's still just a game. But then Arnold went and broke his own rule. He died right here in the park. Except I believe he had one story left to tell. A story with real stakes, real violence. You could say I'm here to honor his legacy. And I think your tattoo is the next piece of the puzzle. So Jessica, we open this up as we always do with Dolores. That's what my notes, I was just saying, when I take my notes, I don't delete the first line because my first line in my notes is always be open on Dolores as per usual. 
So I just delete everything else every week That's and leave that right at the top. See, here's my last week's notes crossed out because I already talked about them. We open on Dolores as per usual. And here it is again this week. I have to commend you on your efficiency. It's very, very, very impressive. You know, I like my bookends. So before this, do you know what happened? My parents, they hurt them. They killed them. Then I ran. Everyone I cared about is gone and it hurt so badly. This is important because he tells her before that to limit her emotions and she still responds with something emotional. He does say limit. He doesn't say eliminate. Still. It's an important distinction though. Okay, sure. He says limit and they are limited. Um, it hurts so badly. doesn't sound very limited. Mm-hmm. Are you getting tired of this open? I want something else to come of it. And I feel like we did get more in this where he says, like, maybe you can find a way to be free and find this maze and do this. And I feel like that made it something different. Yeah. I like this. I like this opening. And I was a little bit like, oh, here we fucking go again. But I liked how it started to close up at the end here where Bernard says, I want to play a game. The maze is a special game. The goal is to find the center of it. If you can do it, then maybe you can be free. And she says, I think I want to be free. And Which is pretty important because I don't think that um, robots know what freedom is. Right. And I think here's one thing Westworld has established. These robots or hosts are starting to remember some of the things that have happened in these repetitive loops that they live in, in this quote unquote meaningless world, as Maeve puts it at the end. And we know that they're starting to gain sentience of that. We know that they're starting to learn about that and that they're going to start acting in a way that is different from their programming. Okay, that's every every fucking show or every movie ever that deals with intelligent life. The idea of breaking out of your programming and exceeding your the limitations of your fucking positronic brain, right? So sure. we know that this is true. We got to just start doing shit with it, I guess is what I'm saying. So, then I'm a little tired. Maybe I'm a little cranky. I don't know. Maybe I'm just going to be a little cranky pants. But let's go. Fucking get cracking, show. It's cool. I like it. Don't get me wrong. But I'm just saying, I, I, want, I want stuff to start happening versus piling on the questions and just burying me in a fucking avalanche of questions I can't answer fast enough. So, I like this stuff at the end, though. She says she wants to be free. And she says, this part of her narrative changes where she says, I think there is something wrong with this world, something hiding underneath Either that or there was something wrong with me. I may be losing my mind. Which Pretty cognizant for a... I like this a lot, of course. And I, the thing I like about this is I like that she is going against what she's been saying for three episodes where she's positive about life. Right. She's starting to have a different worldview entirely. Not only is she questioning her existence and what's going on in these visions and this gun and this shit with Rebus and all this crap going on, she's also starting to feel more pessimistic than optimistic, generally speaking, which is very human to me. (laughs) So I like that. I like that. It's not only affecting that, it's also affecting her entire world, her entire worldview. So we move over to Dolores waking up. Before that, can we just discuss now, is Bernard a host? Because I think he is. And this episode really made me lean strongly and heavily in that direction. Whereas before I wasn't even really thinking about it too much. But I came into this episode starting to think like, okay, I'm so like on this stupid man in black theory. It's not stupid though, guys. You know what I mean? But I haven't thought about other crazy theories and things I need to think about. So I went into this episode thinking about, okay, so which one of our real people that work at the command center basically are hosts. Right. So here's the thing I feel about that. I feel fairly certain he's a host. What does it, do we care? I care about everything and finding things out. I like that. Right. I know. But what I'm saying is, 
does it really matter if he's a host or not unless yes. we're going to start pushing the direction in that the story in that way? Because doesn't it matter? Isn't he doing all these things with Dolores be, in some way because he can't do it himself? Okay, I And like he's it. trying to find the answers to his own situation that I think he's, he's doing. Mm, I think and part maybe of questioning it. his own existence? I don't know if he's questioning his own existence. I think he feels a sense of... Uh, Bernard is in a pretty hopeless situation. He chats with this woman who's his ex-wife, I'm guessing. Uh, they talk about their host. deceased son, which is sad. He doesn't have much outside of what he's this work. I think him anthropomorphizing these bots and feeling something for them is just the way he is. It's just part of his character arc. Yeah, his character arc that was uploaded to him by Dr. Ford, which is why Ford said Bernard's a very sensitive person to right. Teresa. Right. And that's why he knows about all of that. Sure. So, yay. All right, whatever. I just wanted to throw my information out no, there. But I always guess, crap on me. I'm not trying to crap on you. I'm just saying I, he either, he, Bernard, okay, ready? Bernard's either a host or he is a human. He's one of the two, 100%. And whatever it is, I don't really care as long as they do something compelling with his storyline. That's all I'm asking. Okay, well, just write it on the board that I guess that Bernard is a host. Yeah. Because I thought that this episode made that pretty obvious. Yeah, that's all. I, this goes back to me saying things need to start happening, I guess. Like, information, is he a host or not? Wow, cool, we learned something big. Now, the trick would be, once we learn that big thing, that we start to turn the story in the direction of that big thing and introduce more intrigue. You no, know what would be great is if episode five ended with not Bernard, but somebody else, like Ford, like rebooting and talking to a host and you don't see who he's talking to and then it pans over as Bernard. Right. That would be great. Yeah, I hope that's how it. episode five ends. Sure. I'm you real do it high on cool that. Ways. So like you don't think Ford is using Bernard to get information about like Teresa and what the board's doing and it's possible. Because I don't think Teresa's a host. So Yeah, I don't I mean, I, I feel like with this level of technology that this entire facility is under surveillance. Like if they can make Westworld, they can probably keep their employees under surveillance without sure. inserting spy robots. But spy robots are surveillance. I know. Maybe, maybe. So anyway, Dolores wakes up at the campsite with William, piano time, and then, of course, Maeve and Clementine have a little chat. I have a crush on William. Just so if anyone wants to give me a one-star review about that, <laughs> I just want to throw it out there right now and make everyone aware that at first I was just like, oh, I love Jimmy Simpson. And today, when it first showed William with that little five o'clock shadow he had going on, he gave Dolores that cup of coffee. I thought, this is a man after my own heart. I love him. Nice. And that's how I feel. Okay. I have a lot of questions about him. Okay. But we'll get there as we continue through the episode. Okay. We'll get to that in a minute because we, we step away from that immediately. I know. I just wanted to say that I love him. Okay. In a romantic sense. So they talk about the tips of their tongues. I actually liked that the discussion that, that Maeve and Clementine talk about offering freebies. That strikes me as so not machine-like to me where they were so happy with the sex that she's like, oh, it's free. That's just That shows you a dynamic level of programming. Yes, I, I, I agree with that. I think it's interesting. That's really giving them, unless maybe their program like, okay, every seven guys, give it to them for free. It's possible. It's possible. Yeah. Um, so she starts zoning out, she being Maeve, and she's remembering something in your eye. She's recalling a massacre at her saloon, but some creepy looking, with some creepy looking dude. She actually sees the cleanup crew pulling Clementine away. She recalls the experience of being repaired. She hears them discussing a bullet fragment. And this distorted... I like the way that she yeah. sees the memory, cool. how it comes to her. It's, it is cool. This is uh, pretty wild. This goes back to when you wipe out your computer, there's still data there. It's just underneath. There's layers. 
And uh, that's what's awesome about this. We're seeing these supposed memory wipes hanging uh, almost as dreams or memories, as it were. And I know that's part of, I know that's designed appropriately, but um, it's starting to backfire a little bit or maybe not at all because it's being handled in an intentional manner, perhaps by Ford. Perhaps. So we phase back to the current discussion with Clementine. Maeve leaves suddenly. She draws, uh, she goes home, takes a look at her abdomen. She spots some blood on her small clothes. But no wound. Correct. She draws the uh, the men in the suits. The music races. It's intense. And then uh, I, I put a note. I hate the way their feet and hands just look like shadows when she draws them. It's so creepy. Yeah, the thing it's is like scribble marks on their feet. It's just a normal human, but it's terrifying. It's like a crazy drawing that a child would do from a horror film. It's like something that would become a creepypasta story. There you go. You love creepypasta. I love Free creepypasta. For creepypasta yet again. I've never advertised for them before. I typically advertise for that movie Hell or High Water. That's basically it. <laughs> or whatever guy you want to bone, apparently. No, they're typically on the show when I want to bone them. So she goes to hide the drawing under the floorboards, and we get a nice reveal here that she's been trying to document this for a long time. Love this. Again, this is very memento. I love, yes. Oh right? my God, can you tell that this person did memento and was involved in it? Like, Jesus right. Christ, this is so memento. I, I like that they do, in her memory, she specifically hears them say that there was a bullet still in her abdomen, but they're like, yeah, but we got to get her back out there. So just forget about it. Right. And we know that it happened before because we know then this is probably when they pulled her in. They were talking about MRSA and stuff. Sure. That she's remembering back. To. Sure. Yep. And then they didn't get the whole bullet out because she like woke up and freaked out. No, no. Or maybe not. No. If you listen carefully to the flashback, he says, we got, we've got fragments still in there. And he's like, too bad. Control wants her, patch her up and go. Okay. So they kind of have to just so rush. So it's not the same scene. No, it's not. They okay. have to rush through getting her back on the line. Which is apparently. fine. But either way, specifically, they definitely left a bullet in her abdomen and she remembers this and clings onto it, which sure. I like. And that's, again, we're seeing the robots that are starting to gain this type of self-awareness. They're starting to remember shit that that's yeah. happened to them. That's... In other words, we get it. We know that that's what they're going. I like Maeve. And if she starts tattooing her body with like things like do not Maeve. trust Teddy. I think she's great. She's great. No. So I actually love Maeve too. She's one of my favorite characters. And I also ship her and Hector. So we'll talk about that later. <laughs> so Teresa wants to know about the stray. Um, she, she's, she starts grilling Elsie, Bernard, the whole team. She wants to know what the fuck's going on with the stray. Uh, could it have been a Samaritan reflex? In other words, he thought maybe he's going to hurt somebody and bash his own brains in. Teresa Which is suspicious I, because she's like, maybe you guys programmed this way to cover your fuck ups. But I said the same thing that like it seemed like he was going like he wanted to hurt Elsie and he couldn't. And then he smashed his own head in. Sure. Elsie is not a host. A hundred percent. There's no way Elsie's a host. There's no way Teresa's a host. I think Stubbs might be a host. I think that's why um, this um, host that Bash's head in was able to turn and start to attack Stubbs. Sure. And also I think there's some weird shit with him that I'll talk about later. I think that Elsie, especially now that I've seen this episode is really becoming the voice of the audience. Except for me. How come nobody else is concerned about this? What's with the fuckery? Why? What's going on? I'd be like Ford. Let me just in Bernard. And Bernard just sort just of brushes her off by saying, look, you're chasing ghosts. This is not in fact Orion. And what's interesting is that she expects Bernard to object, but he doesn't because Bernard's previous attitude had been that way. He had been asking the questions. He had Correct. been doing a certain thing, but he's not anymore because he's exploring his own thing with Dolores that he doesn't want anybody else to find out about. Yep. I agree with you completely. Which I like. Yeah. That makes his character more interesting for sure. That dynamic of him going from, hmm, this is weird. And then having a conversation with Ford and then more of conversations with Dolores 
and suddenly he's starting to shift the way he feels, but it's subtle. Um, Four Kenobi in the chat wants to know if I like Elsie more this week. No, I definitely did. I still don't Jessica's like Elsie. Just being stubborn. That's all. Once I decide I don't like somebody, it takes at least five episodes for turnaround, and this has not been long enough. That's not always true. If Elsie was petting puppies, she would change her tune. I would like her, just like how Stannis Baratheon so quickly. Just like if Bernard, just like Carol from if, The Walking if, Dead. Oh, so many characters. If Bernard got into a bathtub full of milk, she would hate him. That would be the end of Bernard. Why would anyone get in a bathtub full of milk? Why? I don't know. Why would anyone do that? Well, I read that shit. Detective. In, I read that shit in Cosmo once. Um, so get in a bath of the blood of young virgins, like um, you know Betty Bathory or whatever did back in the day. That's a good one. That's what she did. She thought she was going to live forever. Hey, Luke. Stay on target. Sorry. <laughs> so Dolores and William, you must be cold. Take my jacket, little girl. He offers her the coat. Um, William wants to take her back. The deputy, whose name is Holden, is concerned about Slim Miller. They don't want to lose time on tracking Slim Miller down. Yeah, Slim Miller. We got to get that guy. And Logan doesn't want to waste any fucking time. Logan suggests just blow her away. Logan is the douchiest douche I've ever fucking seen on television. He has no redeeming qualities. There's nothing likable about him at all. And he's such a caricature that he might be a host, honestly. Or he is simply a person who's familiar with this game and understands that they're simply robots that are there for his disposal. Yeah, but he's but the man in black is like that. And he's still an interesting character that I care about. This guy, I'm just like, oh, he's so douchey. Right. Like, how can you be so douchey as a human? But he, the man in black, not everyone's going to be as interesting as the man in black. I'm just saying that I think I know what that you're Logan is very one-dimensional and although handsome, boring. Stop okay. pretending you want to kill yourself. I'm giving an opinion. Yeah, it's terrible. That I don't like Logan? Yeah, no, I'm kidding. Um, no, but I'm trying to help you be objective and not so judgmental. Like see that, see that, see all, see all. I'm dimensions not being of judgmental. I'm saying he's a bad character. The only thing that we've seen of him is that Are he's you saying a you douche. You don't like him, or he's a bad character? Both. Okay, so tell me why he's a bad character. Because he's a douche and does nothing but be douchey. Okay, he can literally you, is a nothing can you other than what douche means. It means Logan. Okay. Can Literally every down. single thing that Logan has ever done in the show has been douchey. The way he talks to William, the way he treats the hosts, the way he acts when he comes in, how he's all hoity-toity, mm. the way that he just bangs bitches and kills people and he has nothing else he cares about. Right. Like, he is the most one-dimensional character in the show. Right. Do you think that this show is interested in one-dimensional characters or do you think there might be more to Logan? I hope there's more to him, but honestly, at this point, he's just the douchiest human being I've ever seen. Okay. Maybe Fair William enough. will kill him on his journey to become the man in black. <laughs> Maybe Steve Logan Dolores. is the man in black. No, Logan is not the man in black. That's okay. ridiculous. Maybe William's not long for this world. That's <laughs> so foolish. <laughs> How dare you, honestly? Just saying. We know that he's part of some big business that he runs, and we know that somebody thanked the man in black for his business. Yeah, well, oh, oh, no. Oh, my God. This is super... Um, Brent right. Attica in the chat says there's going to be more to Logan. I completely agree. I hope so, because right now he's just a douche. Am if I wrong, chat again, room? Um, like, there's no hold other... Hold on, let me lower you. Go ahead, say something. Say no, stock in the mic. <laughs> just teasing. I'm just saying, right now, that's the only word to describe him. So I really like this, though. Um, Logan saying, this is why the company needs to bump our stake in this place. With our family, everything is business. And what I think about this company, Delos, or whatever the heck you pronounce it. You know what I mean? The company that owns it, that Teresa works for, the board. Is this early on before the board totally bought their stake in Westworld? Because it's 30 years ago because of that theory. And he's talking about that. And that's why he wants to put more stake in Westworld because he works for that company a long time ago. Possibly. Does the man in black work for Delos or whatever, technically? Because William does, doesn't he? Yes. I'm so just, does Logan. You mean, do you think all three men are discussing the same company? Yes. 
Possibly. Maybe. Sure. Because this, well, at least this is why the company needs to bump our stake in this place. This makes me think if perhaps this is in the past, not saying it is, but if it is, that their company is Delos, this company that's going to eventually have the board, which basically runs Westworld. Yep. That has the most stake in Westworld. Of course. Right? So if Logan works for that company and they're out here on this, you know, William thinks it's a getting to know the family thing, but really it's just Logan trying to decide how much they should invest in this company. What if it's because they're Delos before they became a super important, you know, part of Westworld? Okay. And what if, if the man in black is William, that he actually works for the board technically. Mm -hmm. And that's why he's VIP. I like it. That just all came to me right like that. Okay. That literally just came to me in this moment. All those thoughts. Fucking simpatico. I, I don't know what happened. It just, oh my God. That, I I just made that up. I did not steal it off the internet. I feel real good about it. I feel like, is Delos how you pronounce it? Because I also feel like I pronounced it wrong. I don't know. But I know what you're saying. It's no coincidence they were talking about this company and the company was brought up by two separate groups of people in the same episode. You're still on the theory that it could possibly be him and it has yet to be debunked, correct? Yes, although it came the closest to being debunked in this episode. It did with Stubbs, but we're going to talk about not that. With, not even with Stubbs per se, but more with the little girl with the maze. But then the maze has probably been there forever. Correct. So I'm okay with that. So I don't feel like it's been debunked. I have two ways that the Stubbs thing can, can still go with my theory. Right. Do you think the chat room hates me? I don't know. I'm okay. not worried. I wouldn't worry about it. <clears throat> um, so, <laughs> Brent Atticus says I need to post that online quickly. <laughs> I remember I just said, I just all came out of me. So, genius. Man in Black and Lawrence. Uh, Man in Black chops up a rattlesnake. This should be the place, the Blood Arroyo. Uh, this you should know better. whole world is a story. I've read every page except the last one. So, if the Man in Black's been in the park for 30 years, how is it he's just getting to the end? I mean, is it that sophisticated? Oh, for sure. Okay. I think it's that. I, I feel pretty content. And I also feel like that maybe originally he came casually, like William. He was just hanging out with his buddy, deciding if he should buy stock in the company. And then he got invested because he fell in love with Dolores. And then it turns to this whole thing where he wanted to solve the mystery and get to the end so him and Dolores could be Did together. You talk a little slower? Sorry, it's just pouring out of me. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> they should really play Micro machines. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Try again. <laughs> Good Lord, woman. I don't even know what I just said. Oh, yeah. So I think that... <laughs> well done. You're doing better. That the man... There was obviously a lot of different things and changes and stuff that's gone on throughout the park. And I feel like the man in black wasn't always like, I got to get to the end of the game. They probably started out as a casual, just like William. And then maybe one day he fell in love with a girl, just like Dolores. And then something happened and he decided he needed to solve this mystery because somehow that would involve him being with Dolores. It's possible. Because he doesn't rape her in the barn. I'm way past that, everybody. Yeah. Okay. Well, so the man in black spots Armistice all sexy lack with her tattoo and her fucking hip guns. Yeah, and I want to apologize because on the interwebs, I said that I didn't think she had that snake tattoo before in the first episode. She does. But she did, which I am bothered by. She did, and that's something I confirmed. I went back and I watched the first episode scene where she is shooting up the town and she 100% has the snake tattoo then and she has it now. We're going to talk about what that means, if anything. Yeah, uh, let's do it. Go ahead, start right now, go, and then we'll get into their dialogue. Okay, so the man in black sees Armistice and all this stuff. She has a snake tattoo. Well, their dialogue is important, actually, to all talk right, about go it. go ahead. Um, so he says he, he asks how they never met. It must have been an oversight on his part. Mm -hmm. And somebody on Facebook, and I'm sorry, I don't remember who said it. If you're in the chat, please tell me who you were. Um, 
Go had ahead. said, how is it possible he's been here for 30 years and he's never seen Armistice? And I agree because she seems to be a part of a major storyline that goes on in Sweetwater. Um, and my response was, well, he had never met this version of her because before she was like a different girl. She didn't have the tattoo. She didn't have this backstory that was important to the man in black. But I was wrong because she's always had the tattoo, which doesn't make sense because the tattoo is very specific to the story about Wyatt. Right. Chuck Hebbing Jr., I find it really weird that Men in Black doesn't know the snake girl. We know she's an original, and we know he's been going there for 30 years. I hope old Bill makes an appearance. Yeah, so I thought that it was kind of like a clever plan. words, and he's like, oh, we've never met. It was an oversight on my part, and he meant like he had never met this version of her with the snake tattoo, because obviously he'd remember. Because I could see him talking like that to somebody just to talk like that. But it doesn't matter. She's always had the tattoo, so it doesn't matter. But the tattoo is very specific to this Wyatt plot. Correct. That's so what's why so did weird she always have it. the tattoo? Right. That's what's so weird about it. The plot, it's it's possible she had the... I, I have an idea. What if the snake... What if the snake was part of the whole Blood Royal thing? Is, is it possible they uploaded it for a separate storyline? Like they, they overrode it with the Wyatt thing and it meant something in the past? Yeah, it, it could. That's the only thing I can think of. Like what it if... It just seems so specific. Right, but you know, the, there's something about where the snake lays its eggs. But this weird mystery—is it possible that that's something that was in the past, and then it got overwritten with the Wyatt stuff when they when they did shit with Teddy? It's possible that it's just a coincidence that the tattoo in question was part of an old storyline, and they just like just like we know Teddy is how Teddy is, and he's sitting there in the chair. And Ford just goes and uploads Wyatt into his yeah. head. It's possible that he just that uploaded Ford just uploaded something to change the meaning of that tattoo in her history. Yeah, and I guess so. It's just such a specific thing, right? Um, I love her tattoo. Lone by Star the way. Kid asks, "Is Arnold Wyatt?" I asked the same fucking question last week, and you made fun of me. Arnold is dead because they told me, and I believe right, but that. he could be the representation of Arnold something. All right, right okay, I guess. Anyway. We'll see. Anyways, I love that tattoo. It looks really awesome and I want to get one. It's pretty radical. Except not on my face because I get fired from my job. Yeah. Kelly says maybe she just had the snake tattoo before because they thought it looked cool just like Teddy's vague backstory before. It didn't mean anything until Ford wrote this new one. It's possible. But know what too? Maybe Ford always had this story in his mind and he was just waiting to tell it. You know what I mean? Yep, I do. All right. I've moved past that this bothered me and it bothers me less. Yeah, I I concur. I, I think it's uh, the more I think about it, the more I think after you make 1,400 of these things, you're like, let's give this badass chick this crazy tattoo. And then they pop whatever meaning into it they decide to. Eventually, yeah. But what's crazy is maybe they designed it without the head being filled in and it has had various storylines throughout the years. One's the blood of her enemies. One is whatever. One is this one other is, one. She's like, I just like this tattoo. I thought it was really cool. And that, who, that yeah, snake who really knows? symbolizes who I am as a person. <laughs> Don't shred on just, me, bitch. It meant a lot to me to get this snake in honor of my mom. Sure. So I want to retrieve something of great value. Um, they mouth off and the men in black shoot some of his men. And then he says, looks like you got a couple of openings. I, I love that. Thing. <laughs> and I know like in the first episode, I'm like, this guy's a douche. Now I'm like, I love this guy. Um, I love that part when he kills those two guys and he's like, oh, I guess you need two more guys in your party. Like, I don't know. That was funny. I liked it. So Stubbs gets a report about a host being off course. Now, this is important because we got a lot we can talk about here and we've we've kind of made a couple of theories sitting here watching this. Yes. Live. So Stubbs gets a report about a host being off course. The rancher's daughter from Sweetwater Room woman says to him, Stubbs asks, is she with a guest? The attendant isn't sure. Stubbs orders her to be pulled. 
or behavior, Stubbs walks off camera. Cut. And we caught totally away from the scene. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about the potential that Stubbs is in fact a host and this is in the past. Let's talk about the three possible things. One, this is actually happening in real time. Stubbs is talking about Dolores being off with William. William is not the man in black. It's all in the current thing and everything is debunked. Theory number one, right? Right. That's the theory number one that I don't like. Boring. Theory number two. This is a scene about what's currently happening with Dolores. Mm -hmm. She's doing something off course that has to do with Bernard's maze that he's talked about that he told her she needs to find the end to. Okay. She's not with a guest. Okay. And this is just something we have not seen yet. So now we're getting into future bullshit because the show has yet to do that. Right. We think. Right. But that's that's another theory. Okay. Because it does not say she's with a guest. Right. It's unclear. It's unclear. And that's left ambiguous on purpose so we can have the thought that maybe this has nothing to do with I her and her. William. Yep. Maybe this has something to do with something that's happening in regards to what Bernard told her. So that's, we're still in current time. Sure. The third theory is that Stubbs is a fucking host. And this whole scene takes place in the past. The woman he talks to is someone I've never seen in any other iterations of the scene. Okay. I know that's crazy and we're getting a little ahead of ourselves because... Lone Star makes a good point though. He says, so the command center stayed the same for 30 years. And then he's sarcastic by saying very logical. I didn't say it was logical. I'm just saying that that is a theory. And I don't know, man. I've... Three different theories. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. Well, I've never been anywhere for 30 years, so I couldn't fucking tell you. But I've been alive for 30 years. I've gone into some places where the fucking company logo hasn't... It's been the same fucking desk, the same thing for like 15 years. But 30 might be pushing it, especially with this advanced and very rich company that probably is always making innovations, not some poor shit company. Um, can I talk about... The... Theories two and three are hack. Hack and cheap. Can I just talk about um, Entertainment Weekly's interview with um, Nolan? Nolan, and as long Joy? as you know who wrote it. Yeah, it was written. It was Entertainment Weekly. After every episode, whoever James Hibbard talks to the showrunners. So he talks to Lisa Joy and Jonathan Nolan. Um, Entertainment Weekly. Dolores has opened every episode. Blah blah. blah. Um, it's unclear. And then she opens her eyes and she's with William and Logan. Does it? Where did this scene take place? Is this a flashback or is she referring specifically to what happened at the end of season three? And Jonathan Nolan says, I think that's up to the viewers to decide. Mm -hmm. Entertainment Weekly says, which leads into another question. This might be another that you might not be willing to get into. Should we not assume that everything seen is taking place at the same time? Nolan says, I think you want to assume as little as possible in watching the show. Lisa Joy says, as usual, it's exciting to talk to you and also difficult. They then had to put him on hold and have a side conversation to decide how to answer this question, hmm. which ended up being... He editorializes that? Like he yeah, states the that? the showrunners put me on hold and have a sidebar conversation about this question, then come back. Right. And Nolan says, part of the fun is people speculating about what they're seeing. There's some amazing speculation out there. There are some theories that are so elaborate and beautiful that you wish you thought of them yourself. Probably that William was the man in black is what he's talking about there. But still, I think... We want to burden the audience as little as possible with expectations of what we think the show is. I'm a big believer in this ever since we went to the Venice Film Festival with Memento, which is funny because that's about time, but whatever. Okay. Anyway, um, there are some things in Westworld that are intentionally ambiguous. I think it's pretty. I, I think it's pretty clear that not all of this is running concurrently, right? Not or simultaneously is what I'm trying to say. I I agree. Is this not J.J. Abrams and Nolan? Yeah. Um. All right. So. But that's. I. I just. Again, I have to discuss the theories that are out there and whether or not they can be true or not true. So I'm just discussing those op options. I'm just discussing the fact that in an interview, they really had to have a little secret conversation about what's true and what's not true and what they're allowed to say and what they can't say when it comes to timelines. Right. Understood. Something very specific. 
They've never done that. I've read every interview with them after every episode. It was when they specifically start asking about timelines, if there's different timelines being shown to us concurrently, that they had to have a sidebar conversation, which to me means that we have different timelines running concurrently. It mm-hmm. doesn't mean that it's William is the man in black, but it means that there's something to that theory, at least, that we're not all seeing the present. Right, because we're seeing plenty of flashbacks just between Maeve and Dolores alone. Yeah, not no, not that. Not that they're having flashbacks that we know are flashbacks. No, no, you're, ta- you're talking about concurrent storylines. Yes. Or, or simultaneous storylines or what yes. have you. Right. We all know they're having flashbacks. Mm-hmm. But in, yeah, maybe Lone Star Kid is right. The Bernard Dolores conversations are all flashbacks and that all happened a long time ago. And what we're seeing with Dolores now is past those conversations with Bernard. Sure, maybe that's all that it is. Sure. But maybe it's something else. I'm just saying. I think that Lone Star Kid should do this podcast because so, he knows a lot. So Dolores uh, walks... Lawrence's, uh, what am I writing here? Dolores, wait, I don't know what. Why did I write Dolores walks to Lawrence's town? That doesn't make oh, any sense. Oh, she is in Lawrence's town. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. She's in that town that Lawrence was in. That's what I meant to write. Uh, she says, good morning to Lawrence's daughter. Where are you from? Same as you, don't you remember? We get some flashes, a little girl gun bearing, I think, a church. A man tries to help out the lost traveler that is Dolores at this point. William interrupts, scares the man off. They, uh, they get a lead on Slim and they head out. This is pretty, again, there's plenty of mystery here. I didn't learn much. This was just more piling on the the confusion. And it's interesting that this little girl is so full of information that she's so willing to give, Mm -hmm. that she can say to the man in black where the opening to the maze is, that she's drawing the maze itself. Like, who is this little girl and what is her importance? I need more from that because that is something that is weak to me right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we know that this is the same town that the man in black comes through. We're seeing Dolores go through it possibly first, yeah, possibly we many years ago. To or set possibly these later. Motion. We don't know. It could be Valid point. Right. Yes. Maybe this is just setting it all in motion for later. Right. Listen again, until one of my three rules is broken, I'm sticking with this. Okay. And those three rules are what again? Same scene as Teddy, same scene as Maeve, same scene as the man in black. Okay. So man in black watches Armistice. Um, she's down there getting some info, cuts one guy's throat, shoots another guy. And then we cut back over to William and company at camp. Dolores apologizes for causing some trouble. Uh, he asks uh, where she is going and assumes she'd be on a zone or a path. He kind of gets meta. Yeah, and then she's like, I think there was a path for everyone. Not anymore. But not anymore. Now I think I never asked where the path has taken me. That impression like made me think of like Maggie from The Walking Dead. <laughs> that little slight southern accent. Dolores gets nostalgic about her father and the herd. She would worry about losing a steer. Never occurred to me that it was going to slaughter. Um, I like this. Me too. A metaphor a lot. And I think that this is very telling about how Dolores is having thoughts of her own. Go for it. That she went from being somebody who was like, I'm so sad that that bull is off on its own and it left the pack and this is terrible. And her father's like, don't worry, it'll find its way back. And she says that she always imagined that it did, that it find, found its way back. What she's realized now is that all they were doing was coming back for slaughter, mm. which isn't the, that what Dolores is doing. Isn't she going to be the bull or the cow or whatever that wanders off mm. and doesn't come back and doesn't go to slaughter? It's mm. a, it's very metaphorical. The cows have been very metaphorical in this show so far. I concur. But I like that. I like that metaphor. You know, it's kind of on the nose, but I still really like it. Right. Perfect. So Dolores says that sometimes she feels that something is calling her somewhere beyond all this. She says very vague, but... William knows that feeling. So William empathizes with her here. Uh, but you really don't want to go back. And, and that might seem like a throwaway line, but it's not. William saying he knows the feeling matters because 
Logan has hinted as much about William. Nothing can really get you to see. We've never seen who you are, what it is. And that's because William's this introverted guy who's always thinking about this big dream that's never coming true. And Logan's always like, what is your thing? What's your, what is your thing, right? And we don't know much about William at this point. He's kind of a mystery, more so than Logan. I think that it's, William is engaged, right? Or whatever, involved with Logan's sister. Okay. In a serious relationship, right? Mm -hmm. We've learned this. He works for the family company. Maybe Delos, I don't know. This is interesting to me, and I need more information about this, about this girl back home. Okay. About his relationship with Logan, about why they're on this trip. It's not a bonding experience. It's for work. I, I want, I need to know more about his backstory and not about this him, man in black thing, which again, I can make up more connections involving that, but there just, there has to be more to this. We know he has a woman back home, but we see him falling for Dolores. Right. Right. I, I just, I, I need more, I need more backstory on William. I like it. Or I'm going to keep going down this rabbit hole I've been going down and just, I just need more because yeah. I, I want more. I really, really want more. Sure. And that's something specific that I keep thinking about is this relationship with Logan and working for the family company and being engaged or romantically entangled with Logan's sister. Yeah, Logan's taking him out here and saying, bang a bunch of broads. They're robots. It's cool because he's a douche. But that's a different story. All right, I'm done on that rant. So I'm such an admirer of yours. Your foundation has saved my sister's life. Oh, wait, wait. Oh, wait you want to talk about- way ahead. Well, Whoa. Then, go ahead. Talk about um, Dolores having her darkness gathering around her thinking about her old life she recalls dying in the men in masks she yeah the falls full backwards. moon makes her think of the lights from their helmets yep william catches her and that's the end of the scene yeah i just I, we definitely want to make mention to that because 100%. she's seeing the same sort of thing that mave is seeing there's the same connection this phrase violent delights have violent ends seems to be the set off we don't know what's the abernathy off or what's that um what's his face milk boy off other than finding that photograph, which mm -hmm. is, again, when I start getting into this crazy shit, like, how is this woman in the photograph significant? Because she has to be, doesn't she? Like, doesn't that have to mean something? It's possible. But anyways, then we're really going down a rabbit hole with that. But I'm such an admirer of yours. Your foundation saved my sister's life. Man in Black, of course, is like this. One more word and I'll cut your throat. You understand? This is my fucking vacation. This is one of the first times we've seen a couple of guests that don't know each other actually interact. Yes. Oh, I agree. And I love this. I love that we're seeing guests interact because we really haven't. This suddenly, this suddenly humanizes the man in black, doesn't it? Of course. It gives him a touch of humanity because he's not this grim reaper moving through the park doing as he wishes. There is a, you, you start to connect. Outside of the park, he's somebody else. Right. Someone who saves lives. Right. This is type of information I think is crucial to continuing to keep people interested. Holy shit. He saved, he saved lives. There's a foundation that saved lives. Is it possible that it was a small company? If William is the man in black theory and this small company became big, but unless William takes over the company, this could, this lens, what is, if, it, is it Logan? I mean, what if, oh gosh, I don't know. What if William is the man in black and he has some tragedy in his real life and then he starts his foundation to save lives? You possible. know what I mean? And whatever. Is that interesting though? No, I'm just going crazy now. It's fine. All right, so let's keep it going. But I like this. I like that. I like that in both of these scenes with William and with the man in black, we get more peak, peaks into their backstory, I guess. Mm -hmm. I, I really like this with the man in black. That is just this one line, but I it's like it so too. hugely important. And you could talk about it forever. Like, what kind of foundation? What does he do? Why is he out here murdering people if he has a foundation in real life? Does he want to be a serial killer secretly? Who knows? Or is it a game to him that he's been playing for 30 years? Just like Mario Brothers. 
Is he just trying to kill the boss at the end? What's the boss at the end of Mario Brothers? Don't know. Bowser? I don't remember. Yeah, Bowser. Is he just trying to kill Bowser? All right, I'm done. That's Hard hitting questions. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'll write it down what's your price. Nothing but a few words. Armistice wants to know his interest. Man in Black brings up Arnold. He says, the original seller of these parts, he created a world where you could do anything you want except one thing. You can't die, which means no matter how real it seems, it is still just a game. But then Arnold broke his own rule. He died right here in the park. But I believe he had one story left to tell, a story with real stakes and real violence. You could say that I am here to honor his legacy. Wow. This is super important. This is a fucking mouthful. That's important. The man in black knows who Arnold is. Right. Which would make sense. This could be the incident. He was obviously involved in the incident. Yep. 30 years ago. Because you have to remember, Arnold's been wiped from the records. Right. Teresa doesn't know who Arnold is. Correct. Bernard doesn't know who Arnold is. Didn't. Only knows now, I I know. But the man in black does. Right. This shows you, and I know we've already heard, oh, he's VIP, let him do whatever he wants. And that's one thing. But realizing that he knows about something that literally no one other than Ford knows about, Mm -hmm. that's a huge deal. Right. This guy is very powerful and very important to the story. Sure. Like, he matters. So one of the things I started to think about is if the man in black is a VIP who's been going there for 30 years, is it why is it so impossible that there couldn't be other people who've been going for 30 years? Is it because the incident was so terrible that it scared a bunch of people away and he's the only one that said, I'm going to see this through to the fucking end? Because a business like this would attract the same clients forever. Why is he so unique? Uh, I Can we talk about previews for the next episode or is that spoilery? Spoilery. Mm, all right, because I really need to do that. Nope. So I at the end, maybe. So one match, one pistol, one idiot. I'll take those odds. What if? Okay, here's another theory. So what if the man in black? Well, no, this goes back to my same theory. What if the man in black and William the same person? Whatever, it doesn't matter. What if the man in black actually works for the board? What if he works for Delos, and that's why he's been going there for thirty years? Very possible, right? And that's why he's the only person who knows. And yes, he knows who Arnold is and Teresa doesn't. And someone in the chat said, didn't Teresa know? But I don't think so. Didn't Teresa know what? About Arnold. Because I felt like when they had the conversation that Teresa seemed surprised when he was giving this information. He seemed like he was telling the story for the first time. But maybe I'm wrong. It's not a big deal if she knows about him or not. It doesn't change much. No, but the fact that the man in black knows about him, I think is a big deal. I can I concur because so maybe he's part the, of the board. The, the board knowing about him would make and Teresa would make sense because they would know the history and all the fuck ups of the park. Okay, so if Teresa knows, the man in black knows, is he part of the board? Right, it comes back and to it the same. Is thing. the company that William worked for? Speak up, you Mike. You're trailing off. It's it's compressing your voice as you trail off like this. I was trying to be dramatic. <laughs> it doesn't work. <laughs> this is not an audio drama. <laughs> the compression will crush your voice if you whisper. Okay. Kisses and hugs. So, you want to talk about the jailbreak? There's a lot of talk about Jim Carrey in the chat room. I don't know what I missed. So, let's move on to the jailbreak. Lawrence uh, regrets not being left to die. Both men are in chains and a coach. They got this I jailbreak. love this, by the way. Yep. And I also like that because in the article, I'm not going off on a tangent. No, that's okay. In the article in Entertainment Weekly, they were like, hey, how did these guys get arrested? You didn't even show us. <laughs> and Nolan and Joy are like, well, idiot. It was implied that they committed a crime in the view of everybody to get arrested on purpose. Duh. Which I agree. The writer for Entertainment Weekly is an idiot because that's clearly what happens. And I love that. And I love that they didn't show us that. They don't need to. That they're like, you're smart enough to understand that everybody except the writer for Entertainment Weekly. I appreciated that. And I appreciate the man in black's ingenuity to come up with that plan. Nice. Is there any dialogue that we care about here? I mean, um, just that he wants to give him the cigar. Very important. 
Right, that's the setup for the escape. You've always been a prisoner. What if I told you that I was here to set you free kind of stuff? This is also important, too, because we're starting to put this idea into the host's heads that there's something more than the life that they have now. Sure. Which Lawrence doesn't get it yet because no one said the magic words to him, but still. That's a good point. No one has given him the incantation. Right. So let's just move over to him meeting what's his name. Uh, Hector. Who are you supposed to be? Also handsome. Maybe your salvation. They talk some more. You sound like a man who is tired of wearing his guts on the inside. He like he's I don't, badass. I, I don't like know him. who. It, know who he makes me think of? Who the Red Viper of Dorne? <laughs> <laughs> nice. I don't know why, but he just does. And, and I don't think it's the accent per se. There's just something about him where I'm like, he would battle the mountain in a trial by combat. Like there he would do it. He seems like a badass. So the man in black asks him about his worldview, which is funny. All of this will end badly. No one will be saved. Hector's fucking philosophy. Of doom. I like that, though, that he's got a dark outlook on all this shit. Almost like he has more of an understanding about the game, quote unquote, in Westworld than other hosts do. And I felt that way a lot in his conversation with Maeve later. It's possible. The man in black reveals that they're leaving now. He crests a pyrotechnic effect. That's interesting that he can call upstairs and get effects to push through the storyline. I thought that was kind of cool. I definitely think Stubbs is a host, by the way. Um, Step lively, Hector. They move out. Uh, that the cigar blows the guy's face off. Some more carnage as we get a close up on Lawrence yet again. That's funny, actually. I I love this scene with Lawrence again, where again he's blindfolded, ready for death. Right. And all he hears is gunshots around him, and then he lives again. There I love go. it. It's funny, which I like, and ironic, and I don't know. I just is I, Kelly Beam educating you? He's Paolo and Lost. Oh, the actor is. Yes, I yeah, know oh, that. that. The actor okay. who plays Hector is Paolo and Lost. Who? One of the worst characters ever created by Lost. There you go. One of the worst episodes ever. Sorry, just saying. Okay, I'm done. Okay. Ian's really mad at me tonight. Um, I am? Yeah. You pretended to shoot yourself in the face. Oh, yeah, I did do that. <laughs> and you also just threw your papers down. I did? Inside. No, I didn't. And threw your head back. Oh, my God. You are making up lots of lies this evening, and they are funny. No, but the gun one was true. The gun one was true. I did pretend blow my face off. So... They escape. Lots of carnage happens. Later, the man in black meets up with Armistice and the rest of the crew. Um, uh, oh, but I like what he tells Hector. He says, can I give you a word of advice? That thing you're looking for, you're never going to find it. And that's safe. <laughs> I love that he gives him this meta advice of don't waste your time because you're just going to get right. shot and killed, buddy. I like that. It's cute. Continue. No, you go ahead. That's all I just wanted to say. What happens cute. next? Yes, Armistice go, about this her is tattoo. How, this is how this pocket goes. Later, the man in black meets up with boom, Jessica jumps in. And then I start the next one. Teresa and Bernard into set. Boom. Jessica jumps in. So go ahead. Go ahead. How many one star reviews am I going to get tonight? You're doing great, actually, but you're interrupting the shit out of me. I know that's part of my one star review problem. Okay. You're saying you want us to say consistent? There are are three problems talking about having sex with men, having no valid opinions, and also interrupting you. That's true. I think having a whiny voice. Was that on there? No, was. maybe. No, no, that was because you, you, you was nasally when oh, you nasally because you were sick. Remember? Anyway, whatever. Maybe my voice is just nasally guy. in general. Let's just—he's my best friend. He's listening to this podcast. Jesus right now. Christ! Can we move on with the podcast? Jesus fucking Christ, woman. I mean, I guess. So anyway, he gives him the advice about the safe. Armistice tells a tale of disemboweling and other horrific acts and how she's got her tattoo. Which is awesome. Each one she kills, she gets a tattoo. One man left, his name is Wyatt. That's a huge reveal. I loved it. Very cool. Me too. I also have a tattoo for all the men I killed. Cool. Is that why you have none? Um, I have 
Yeah, I know. Anyway, Indians walking through town. Maeve spots a toy that resembles a drawing from her memories. She runs, hands it to the little girl. A soldier says, stop wasting your time. They're not going to tell you about that. It's part of their religion. Dude. I. This is some Ford uh, shit right here. I love everything about this. I love it. He's so smart and he's so thoughtful and he knows about these reveries and he knows about this problem where people are recalling these memories. And he's like, well, these memories are religion now. He, there you go. This is what Arnold. Sure. In a way, nobody was trying to do. He wanted them to find their own inner voice. But what happened is they found religion instead. And it's happening again. It's really interesting. One of Hector's men goes to the saloon. We cut over to Teresa and Bernard's indiscretions. She warns that she has to talk to Ford. He is creating chaos. The board will be descending any moment. Bernard says, why don't you show him? Make sure you don't show him you're nervous or defensive. He talks about vulnerable bellies and arm crossing. Teresa tells Bernard that he can be quite charming. I like his comments on her body language. Mm. I think this says a lot about Bernard, whether he's a host or not, which he's definitely a host. But just that all he's done for so long is deal with these hosts in their body language right. and how they act to things. And he can immediately tell Teresa, why are you defensive? And she says, I'm not. And he's like, but you are. And here's why. Here's all this backstory about it because I'm Wikipedia because I'm a host. But also because I've been watching these robots for years. Right, that's more of what And watching their body language. I like that a lot. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> and I like that Teresa doesn't have that insight. And I know it's her own specific person, but I think this is more towards... Teresa and Bernard being at totally different ends of the spectrum as far as how they feel about the park. You know what I like about the hosts? You know what I think um, Teresa is impressing me with? She's very different when she's private with Bernard. She smiles. She's She's brighter. She's vulnerable. And she's really hard-nosed at work. She's like a totally different person. I like that. Do you know what? When I was watching the scene, like the whole time, I'm like, when is he going to get up and zip her dress for her? Like, no, I'm serious. Because like, as a woman, like if I'm saying I'm trying to zip my dress and like you're just sitting there not helping me, I'd be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? I wonder if that's because he's a host and he's just not programmed to do that shit. But he does. Eventually. Okay. He doesn't <laughs> zip her dress. He must be a host. <laughs> Crackpot theory number 10. Coming at you. What the fuck? I'm going to give myself a one-star review. So... My favorite if scene. If you say one star review again, you're literally fired. <laughs> literally? <laughs> literally. So, Teresa and Ford, the narrative, we already talked about that. Wait. So, oh no, we didn't. This is my favorite scene of the whole episode. I loved everything about it. Talk to me about it. I love Ford. I think he is the coolest character in the show. What he does to Teresa in this scene is so brilliant in the way he basically ruins her past memories of her family, makes it clear that he knows everything about her, that there's nothing about her that is private or sacred. Sure. Nothing from her childhood to her current secret sexual relationship. He, he threatens her. Mm. It's it's brilliant. And I love the fucking slave robots. And, how, and I feel like this is a sign to us that we should assume that a lot of the people who work in command are hosts, mm-hmm. as we see all these other hosts doing. It's funny that work. we refer to it as a slave robot. Is that like automatic pool vacuum cleaner also a slave? She would give it rights to. <laughs> you know what I do think is pretty, it tells you a little bit about Ford. The fact that he has hosts that look very much like people doing the work. He could have he could have machines out there doing the work that look like machines, but no, he made a decision to have those things look like people. That's fucking creepy to me. Hmm. I agree. I love this Ford as God, the way he can just wave his fucking finger and stop them all. And in it's so effective. Right. The the scene with 
the host pouring the wine and then it starts overflowing and then you get the cuts and you realize everybody's fucking stopped. It's so effective. It is such great television. I just I love it. I love it. Go ahead. I, I just talked a bunch. Okay. Do you want to talk? You said you him? loved it a lot. Do you want me to just go through it step by step? Yeah. Sure. So. Keep swinging. We start the thing. We see Ford doing all this major work and she's like, hey, this is a huge project. You might need more time. The board would be totally cool. And he's like, I bet the board hopes I don't even finish. Hmm. And this starts the way this whole conversation is going to go where Teresa comes in thinking I have the upper hand. I'm going to get my point across. And he is always one step ahead of her. Sure. Because he's got eyes and ears everywhere. And he's God basically of this place. Ah. Is he not? I, I, is that not absolutely. what this is? He's Zeus at fucking Mount Olympus or whatever. <laughs> he's fucking God. That's what he is. He says, you've imagined I've gone mad, that I've lost my way. We want to protect your legacy. She says, you don't like this place. Do you? I admire it, the audacity of it. I've forgotten how beautiful it was. I think we sat at this table, this whole thing. I, I love this. That he says, you don't like this place very much, do you? And I like that he brings her to a table where she sat before as a child. Mm -hmm. And I like that partway through the conversation, this jogs in her memory. And she's like, I think I sat here. Or maybe it was over there. Because you know you've had that feeling. You've been somewhere and you've been like, I think I sat at this table. But we were, we were at a dinner the other night. And this couple sat down at a table next to us. And the girl kept saying, this is where we sat last year. This is the same table we sat at. And she was all fucking excited. She was like taking pictures and like tweeting people about it or whatever you fucking do when you get that information. She needs to get out more. No, but right. You know what I, I mean? Know what you mean? Like her reaction to that. Like she was excited. She's like, oh, this is where we sat. And there's that innate like feeling, that memory that comes back to you. And she's like, my parents took me here once when I was a kid. And this is where I sat. Or maybe it was over there. Mm -hmm. Like she questions herself. Her the, memory. the idea here is that memory, your memory is very much a sacred thing. Yes. Your, your memory is something that is yours alone. Your thoughts are yours alone. The things that you think about are yours alone. And that's. But not in Westworld. Correct. That's what we're getting at here. And not just for the hosts, but for the employees themselves. Dolores' right. thoughts are not her own. She's. But Teresa's they're, aren't they're either. To her. And they're, Teresa's a human. Right. I, I, Teresa, I don't. If Teresa was a host, I'd be shocked. I would feel like it didn't even fit. I found it interesting that she also commented on his legacy. Doesn't that imply his what's left after you're dead? Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. Is is Ford? I mean, are they? Is she just making assumptions? I think like she's trying old? to push him out. Like, well, you're going to retire soon, aren't you? You're going to give this up soon, you. aren't you? Yep. Okay. What about your legacy? I can. I just watched an episode of Gilmore Girls where something like this happened, where this old lady they wanted her to sell her in because she might die soon. She might take that long vacation. That is death. And that's what Teresa's doing here. Wow, that's that's a really <laughs> nice parallel you've drawn there. No, that makes sense though. But you know what I mean? Like when you're trying to say, like, hey, sell this thing now exactly because you're gonna you be mean. dead soon. I'm not, I'm fucking I was just brains. trying to be topical. We talk with, about a show from two thousand and one. Very topical. <laughs> when I started working here, I realized it wasn't something I'd enjoy. This place. In the beginning I imagined balance. We made a uh, that's what she says. And then he says I imagine balance. We made a hundred shorelines. Nobody took us up on them. Arnold preferred the hosts. He begged me not Get to let the money. A dim view of people. Sorry. Oh. Arnold preferred the hosts. He begged me not to let the money people in. We created more than a theme park. We created a world. Every blade of grass in here, we are gods. And you are merely our guests. I like that a lot. Cue the creepy music. Teresa sparks up a cigarette, tries to play it cool. How did that work out for Arnold? She asks kind of trying to take a jab at him he lost his perspective he went mad i haven't i have always seen things very clearly I've... this is the table she says and that's when ford smiles we knew everything about our guests and our employees i do hope 
You will be careful with Bernard. He has a sensitive disposition. All right, I have a lot of things I want to comment about Go this. Go for it. One, I'm sorry that I ever said Teresa didn't know about Arnold because I was wrong. Okay. Going back through this scene, I realized that it is pretty clear that she is familiar with Arnold as she's the member of the board. They'd be privy to the right. history of the park. And, and I know I said that earlier because I was just going down the list, but now as I'm re-remembering the scene, 100% she knows about Arnold. So there's that. Second, when they're going through the thing and still this memory keeps coming back to her, just like it keeps coming back to the hosts that we're seeing. And she says, no, I did sit at this table. And yes, he says, we know everything about you, blah, 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 blah. But he brought her to a place she went as a child. Right. When she was still wide eyed and wondering about the world and not this cynical woman she is now who hates Westworld, basically. And he's having her sit down. He's showing her. They're just robots that I control with a snap of my finger. Mm -hmm. What do you think about that? And he's showing her, I'm destroying everything that you came and you saw when you were a child. Right. Just like that, because I want to. Right. He's showing her how powerful she he is. Right. In the context of Westworld. And I really like it. I really, It's a threat. He's threatening her, and I like that a lot. Yeah. The annihilation of this place that was so important and intimate to her memory. And it's funny because I think about how Westworld is so cool. I like it. But if I want to try to empathize with Teresa for just a minute, here's this woman who just watches a bunch of idiots come to Westworld and shoot and fuck everything. Yeah, I I actually don't hate Teresa. And I feel like I may have shit on her earlier, but I've come around on her. Yeah, pretty pretty interesting. I'm, I'm interested in her. Um, so his thing that he says about Bernard, too. Um, be careful with Bernard. He has a sensitive disposition. This, again, I feel like plays into the same idea that Bernard is a host. Yep. And he's saying, be, he not just because he knows about Teresa, because Bernard was I bet, with Teresa I bet and the he humans told him as a could host. tell you that Bernard has a sensitive disposition. People just know that that's how Bernard is. Right. But there was something about the way he said it. And again, that this whole conversation has been a threat. I don't think he's just threatening her like, hey, I know you're banging Bernard. I think there's more to it. Mm -hmm. I really feel like Bernard has a sense of disposition. I made him that way. I can make him another way. I bet that that's in his mind. You know what I mean? I really think Bernard is a host. I really feel fairly certain about that. Junkfish says, it won't be a retrospective as you've all feared. Is clearly the writer's telling us that William isn't the man in black. Boom, checkmate. Bravo, Nolan. We'll see, Junkfest. <laughs> we'll see. By episode eight, I feel like we'll have a distinct answer. Mm -hmm. Or I'll kill myself because I can't keep fighting with the chat every Tuesday. Sure. Um, uh, the board will have to, they will agree with me. They will send a representative, but they already have. They sent you. The table rumbles, of course. The, the no, he doesn't say they sent you. He says, but they already have. I thought they would have told you. Oh, told you. I'm sorry. This is also super important. Right. Because what does this mean? Who was the representative they sent? We didn't see one. Is this some conversation he had with a man in black who's also on the board and that's what he's referring to? Indeed. Because that's what I'm starting to think now. Right, and that's what you've been saying this whole episode, that if the man in black is in fact a member of the board. That changes a lot. It changes a lot. But it would make sense because that's why he has the VIP status he has. Because we don't see anybody else that we know at least on the board in Westworld. Right. And you would think a member of the board would be trying to fucking whatever. Mm -hmm. His motivation is, is what's interesting to me, but I think I might have an answer to it. Okay. Um, so I'm not going to give you that now. I'm going to save her for listener comments because unfortunately I did not think of it. Oh, well, so, that's rude. I like when he says, I'm not the sentimental type. Yeah, that's awesome. It's awesome. Because again, I feel like we got this impression of Ford that he was how Bernard has been described. Not Bernard, I'm sorry, that Arnold has been described and that we're seeing Bernard is that way. Like almost like Bernard is a recreation of Arnold in a way. Okay, I like it. Ford is not like that. We saw him cut a 
you know, host on the face. Sure. And he's saying like, I'm not going to make a retrospective. I'm not sentimental like that. Mm-hmm. I get it. But I, there's so much to this and there's so much to him. And I know that he's Anthony Hopkins and he's only going to be one season. So let's fucking enjoy it while it lasts. Right. Like, I don't know how we're going to end him and Ed Harris's storyline, but we're going to be real fucking lucky if they're in season two. So I feel like those are some things we're going to wrap up this season. And I feel like we're headed in that direction. Definitely with Ford. I feel like we're going to get more of a reveal about what his storyline is and what the ultimate goal is next week. I hope anyway, and kind of go from there. Nice. William and Dolores. He asks her to stay here and to be safe. I can't get hurt. You can. Logan um, makes a joke about banging her by tomorrow. I call dibs. Holden briefs them. Let's go uh, fuck these motherfuckers up, Logan says. Logan kicks in the door. Slap leather cocksucker. A shootout commences. Anything here that we need that really matters? Other than we see... Just so he tells Dolores that he can get... Sure. She can get hurt and he can't and whatever. No, there's not much in that scene. Other than honest. William kind of participates in some of the shooting. And he's cute when he's not a McPoyle, you know, with the robe and the milk. Different TV show. Okay, moving on. Man in Black and Lawrence on the trail. Lawrence is trying to convince him not to get them killed. I'm not going to get myself killed. Don't think I didn't notice the distinction. I like that. That's cute. Of course, they come across poor Teddy White's men left someone behind. We go back to William and Company. Logan shoots Holden. Can, I just, shit. can I just say one thing about um, Teddy? Yep. So when we originally watched this episode Sunday night and Teddy's like dead on the tree, we had recently watched seven for the podcast. And all I thought was like, oh, my God, he's going to wake up just like the fucking guy in the room with the air fresheners in seven. And that's exactly what happened. And that's all I could think about. It's like we watched that movie and it was all kismet and then it happened to Teddy. Boom. I just wanted to throw that out there. I'd like to connect the two podcasts. So if you're not listening, you should also listen to the science fiction film podcast. And no, seven is not science fiction, but we still covered it. Nice plug. (laughs) It was hilarious. What happens next? So he kills Holden because Holden just wants to take Slim back. But Slim's like, oh, Logan, douche face. Okay. He kills Holden because he Holden wants to take Slim back to town. And Slim's like, whoa, but I can get you to some real fucking bad shit. This crazy villain guy. And no, this is, again, might throw off my theory. I don't know how long this has been a term, though. Is that he says, oh, you led us to an Easter egg. That's a term in gaming. Is that a current term? Because now yes. people talk about it in TV shows. So that wasn't a term 30 years ago. That's what I'm saying. I don't know if it was. I mean, maybe he made it up. <laughs> Maybe this is how the term came to be. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. I'm going to look it up right now. Easter egg term. Keep talking. I'll look it up. Oh, anyway. So I like that that he says he's all excited. It's an Easter egg. He has to shoot the guy because he does not want to take Slim back. William freaks out. He's like, you shot an innocent man. And Logan's like, hey, he's not innocent. I could kill Dolores. She's not innocent either. The end. And they both kind of threaten each other. Where William's like, hey, I'll kill Slim if you kill Dolores. So on and so forth. Go black hat with me. You got to save the girl. Now give me something. Right. There's also something too. He says, it's a fucking game, Billy. And he says, don't call me Billy, which could mean nothing. But I feel like everything means something. Mm-hmm. That's all. I like it. What's the issue? Why doesn't it like to be called Billy other than that? It's not really a good nickname. If someone in the chat or listening to the podcast has that nickname and you're over the age of 20, you should probably call yourself Bill or Will or well, William. Billy's a good name. Yeah, if you're the Blue Power Ranger, it's a great name. Okay. All right. Did you find out about Easter eggs? No, I didn't. Um, Well, that's on you. So what happens next? Yeah, Easter egg is a term used in gaming, specifically when you find something 
or an Easter they egg. They use them on TV shows all the time, too. Yep, or in movies. Ooh, that's an Easter egg for people who are fans of X. Or, hey, that's an Easter egg that leads you on this different quest. It's a very modern term, I think. It is 100% a modern term in gaming. but Nope. Atari's 1979 release adventure contains the first hidden message in a video game to be discovered by its players. According to Robinet, the term Easter egg was applied by Atari personnel on being alerted to the secret edition and making the comparison of players' discoveries of these secrets akin to traditional Easter egg hunt. And when? When was that? 1979, motherfuckers. I win. I win. You are such a dork. I fucking win. <laughs> so no phrase that they've said, Grizzly Adams or Easter egg, is more than, is less than 30 years old. Yeah, if you get real specific with time, I think that's good enough to, to say it could be anything. But I'm pretty excited about this. Mm-hmm. Okay, because at first I was like, oh, fuck, Easter egg. Anyway. Woo, 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 yeah. Okay, I'm done. I'm really excited. <laughs> All right, let's just get to Maven, Hector, and wrap this thing up. Oh, can we talk about Command, though? Because you like that part, too. About what? About how Command can just fucking shut that shit down when families with their children are coming yeah, into that a was, bloody war scene. I really thought that that was cool. Um, uh, Stubbs speeding up Hector's crew's demise because their incoming guests heading towards Sweetwater about 20 minutes out. I think that that goes into something we talked about. Like, what if one group of, of guests run into another group of guests who are mid-adventure? Yeah, we've can talked they, about that. Can they fuck them up? And it looks like that's one of the things Control does is it is it they monitor that to ensure that it doesn't happen. So they're like, all right, let's get rid of this Hector thing because there's a bunch of guests moving in that direction and we don't want them to come in the middle of this fucking mayhem. So they speed it up, they jam their guns, and they there's some fuckery there to, to get it cleaned up quicker. I thought that was a nice touch, just showing you how they control some of the storylines that might clash. So let's talk about Maven Hector. I ship them. <laughs> this is a great scene. I like Maeve a lot. She's grown on me quite a bit throughout this uh, first four episodes. I love Maeve, and I really like Hector. This This thing at the end where... They stab her and she pulls out and she's like, then none of this matters or this is all meaningless. What's the exact word or quote? She says, none of this matters. She goes, why, why is the bullet? Like, what does it mean? She says, it means that she's not crazy. Right. None of this matters. Right. This is fucking huge. Huge. This means that she knows she can fucking die and be resurrected. Right. She has the self-awareness to know that now. That's pretty huge. That's a fucking crazy thing to come to terms with as somebody who thinks like a fucking human. It puts her beyond Dolores, actually. Far beyond. Yeah. But I mean. Awesome. I like that a lot. I also like that we've seen chemistry between them before. Yes. The first time they came in, we talked right? about it. We talked about the chemistry once before and they have it again despite the wipe, which means there's this weird. There, there definitely is a connection between the two of them for right. sure. Yep. Um, I really like Hector in this scene. I like that. Um. I like that she tells him the story. She's like, I was shot. I know mm-hmm. there's a bullet inside me. Sure. He's like, you're fucking crazy, but he won't cut her. Mm-hmm. She has to do it herself. Yep. But he still entertains her. Like he listens to her. And it's not just about getting in the safe. It's not. There's more to it. Right. And I really like this dynamic between the two of them. I really like Hector because I, not because he reminds me of Oberyn or anything, but because he seems like a cool fucking dude. Mm-hmm. And I really, really like Maeve. And this closing line saying none of this matters and she kisses him as they're fucking shooting into the room to kill them both to me is the best fucking moment of the whole show. Great ending. I loved everything about it. It was perfect Yep. because this is what we want to see. We now have a host who is completely self-aware. She's like, I'm just going to die and be resurrected. There's nothing about the ramifications for that. Knowing that you're, 
you could die a hundred fucking times and come back. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, I don't even know. Assuming where she leaves enough it. of the clues to remember when she wakes up. Yes. No. And exactly. I know people in the chat are saying, you know, um, Lone Star Kid says she can remember all of this. No, not necessarily, but she may come to the same conclusion some days or other days she doesn't, you know? Mm-hmm. I like it. Every day is going to be different. It's like any fucking story about a person who wakes up and loses their memory, like that book I just read before I go to sleep. Like some days she wakes up and remembers more. Some days you wake up and remember less. And, right. you know, some days Maeve is going to take a path where she just lives her normal day. But other days she's going to take a path where she lives this day. And that's pretty exciting. Right. And I think she's going to live this day more often than the other day because she's having memories. And that that is exciting. That was a really great close for me. And it made me really excited for awesome. Maeve's storyline. Good shit. All right. We are going to do some listener comments. Boy. Um, and then we're going to wrap with a couple of final thoughts and get out of here for a week. And we'll come back next week. So let's go ahead and start. I have somebody queued up. Why don't you get somebody ready? Oh, shit. I hope you don't steal anything. Out Fiona Ward says, episode four thoughts. She posted it in the group, not on the on the thread. Man in Black is dying. Could be looking for the maze control room to be uploaded forever. Great. I've not read that comment until right now, and I literally love it. William Scumbag's friend could be the Man in Black's son. Because he's so douchey. Well, whatever. But I do. I think that's a cool. uh, I do. I do like the. I like that thought. I like the fact that he has a motivation to get to the end. Outside of I just want to get to the end. Um, I think that that's kind of a cool thought from her. So thank you very much, Fiona. I think that's pretty sweet. I actually had a comment, and I knew which comment I was going to read before this even began. I just didn't have it pulled up. Okay. I'm going to read Daniel Falch. He's in the chat, right? I don't know, but he has a picture of a dog on his profile, so He's I'm really excited about chat. that. <laughs> 100%. Anyways, he has a cute beagle, it looks like. Go ahead. In this week's episode, there are both interesting revelations and scene editing almost to the point of fuckery. A commonly used LSG media term. Ford and Teresa at Hacienda no, It's was, not our term, just to make that clear. Well, we, we have used it, it greatly, so okay. we can borrow it and call it ours. No, we kind can, of. We can borrow it for sure. I think it started with, um, what's your name? The woman who passed away, Amy Winehouse, one of her songs. Oh, well, R.I.P. Amy Winehouse. Right. I'm pretty sure that was her. I didn't listen to any of her songs ever. I'm just telling you. Go ahead. Ford and Teresa at the Hacienda was a highlight of the episode. Agreed. We see what power Ford has both in the park and over everyone involved with it. His manipulation of the park environment and J. Edgar Hoover levels of info about Teresa <laughs> is rapidly moving into being the bad guy of Westworld, which I love. I like it too. The man in black continues his quest and we learn he's a, he is well known outside the park. The fact that he is brute forcing his way into the maze, that he isn't getting the allegorical nature of the clues shows the maze is not for him. I really, really, really like this comment. And that's part of the reason I really wanted to read it's it. Good. Yeah, because like it. that's a really good thing to notice. And I feel like Dolores is now looking for the maze too in her own way, right? Bernard sent her on that path. And maybe it's more meant for someone like her. Um, Dolores is also seeing the maze and the girl is drawing in the dirt. Then the girl isn't there in the reverse shot. So it's a vision or a memory. I didn't even catch that. We get to the almost fuckery as the show is starting to go to lengths to keep William mysterious. Dolores is traveling way of her loop. Is she with a guest? We can't tell. What the fuck is this exchange? The staff can head off guests going into Sweetwater, authorized pyrotechnics, and no one hosting cold storage goes active. Yet somehow they don't see William and Logan, whose family is involved with the park in some way. Almost fuckery. Unless security man is an android. Boosh. Or ages super well. Man in black or William are in the same time. Boom. Which he might be. Just saying. Okay. I like it. Maeve continue, Maeve's continuing visions of the staff has the most promise for the Android's revolution. Agreed. 
Good stuff. That was my comment. I like it. I just want to give a quick shout out to Andrew Ramos who said, "Can I ship Ford and Elena Tyrell?" After watching, Wait, can she, what? Where's this? Again, it's in the it's oh. in the group page. Uh, can I ship Ford and Elena Tyrell? After watching the scene, it reminded me of her old smug badassery. Oh my god! <laughs> and there's a picture of her sitting there at the table. That's like he is literally doing. my dream couple. Pretty funny. They could be sitting across from each other at dinner. It'd be beautiful. Final thoughts. I really like this episode. If it was a setup episode, and things are going to happen in episode five. If nothing happens in episode five again, I'm going to get a little cranky, just a little, but I'm going to get a little cranky because I feel like by episode five, we need something in a 10 episode season. This isn't The Walking Dead and we're going to get a mid-season break and do fucking 20 episodes or whatever they do. Or back in the day when TV series used to have 22 episodes a season. This is 10 episodes. We got to get to it. When we're halfway through, I need an answer. I need something more than what I'm getting. You established every fucking mystery you could possibly establish. Like beyond lost levels of mysteries okay by episode four which means i need something in episode five to keep me as positive as i am right now because i'm still super positive right now Mm -hmm. but if episode five is still a bunch of mysteries and no answers i'm going to be a little less positive on the podcast next week i just want to warn everybody now that that's the truth okay you stole my thunder that was kind of be my thoughts which was i really am enjoying the show so far i mave has gone way up in my book in terms of my interest level in her um She's becoming super interesting. I really also think that um, the stuff between the man in black, William and Logan, of course, is super interesting. Dolores is as well. Um, But one of the things I want to see happen is they're going to start thinking of things and hopefully have their own motivations for different things that happen versus all coming to one conclusion and working in unison. Like I want to see the chaos that erupts as a result of them coming to terms with these things like Maeve has discovered at the end, this is all meaningless or what have you. And I'm looking forward to that. I also appreciate the fact that there's a lot of mystery and a lot of intelligent stuff going on here. But I also think it's about time that we get crack-a-lacking on some reveals so we can uh, start pushing the story into uh, the direction that we're going versus all set up. I agree. Awesome. All right. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Without Limits. We'll catch you guys on the flip side.